All right, God's blessings, God's blessings. What a benefit we have as Christians to know the Lord and to walk in his word, to be called as we've seen, to be called as saints. Amazing benefit. There are places to belong to in Forest Hills Gardens that give certain benefits. My dad came here in the 80s, may have been the late 70s. Uh, He came to the tennis court just not too far from here uh, to watch John McEnroe. And, uh, and the U.S. Tennis Center moved from there. Uh, but you can still belong to this, uh, this West Side Tennis Club and have some, some interesting benefits. Uh, you know, as, as kiddos make clubs, the benefits are small. But as you get older and as you pay more, the benefits become greater and greater. Uh, this club would boast pools and courts. How's this sound, Jack? That have clay and grass and hard court, right? So those of you who are tennis enthusiasts can enjoy that. Uh, I would enjoy swimming more than anything. Um, but also kind of an exclusiveness there. And uh, so there's a long waiting list. I've been trying to join every year. No, I have not. It is five dollars to $10,000 to just get in the conversation and then six or so thousand dollars a year to maintain. So not the cheapest uh, tennis club to be a part of, uh, but the benefits, yeah, whatever, the benefits are there as well. And all of these country clubs and courts and uh, community groups have benefits for signing on to their membership. What's awesome about the benefits we'll discover today is uh, they are exclusive. They are grand. Uh, they are glorious. But they are purchased for you from so- with someone else's money. <laughs> uh, not with silver and gold, but with the blood of Christ. And they are offered to you. But these blessings are those that we don't uh, renew on an annual basis. They are eternal. And I know the Lord will use these encouraging words from Romans 1-7 to uh, soothe your soul, uh, to give you a a heavenly uh, taste of glory divine, and uh, really a settledness in your spirit. So pray, pray that the Lord will minister these truths to your soul, and you would be able to say, this is true, this is true. We've come to the end of our first sentence in the book of Romans. So let me congratulate all of you. Good job. Uh, we, we've come through the first sentence. And you remember, it's, it's really the kernel of the sentence is Paul is writing this letter to those of you in Rome. That's really the kernel, right? So we saw Paul, and you skip all the way down here to get to the indirect object. Sorry, I have to say it. The writing this letter to is all implied, but, but so that the verb and the direct object are implied. But, but it's all about the author, and he gives all about this, right, the, the gospel that motivates the author to write this letter to all those in Rome. So today we finish up the idea of the recipients, and we find ourselves in their midst, and the blessing that we have as we identify 
with those in Rome who are called by God as saints. So that's where we are in the text today. Uh, The kernel, and now we find these benefits. The benefits of God's calling in the gospel. could summarize them as three, and you see that in your notes there. Uh, We are blessed with God's love. We are blessed with God's calling as saints And we are blessed with grace and peace. Amazing blessings. Uh, Much better than clay courts or swimming pools. First of all, blessed with God's love. Blessed with God's love. To all those in Rome who are, what does it say? Loved by God. A few questions will walk us through the meaning of that phrase. First of all, who loves What is love, and what is so important about this love? Who loves? God, yeah. God is the subject of that love. God is the one who loves, and that is an amazing truth, considering the fact that God is creator, sustainer. He needs nothing. He's all-sufficient in himself. He needs nothing reciprocated back to him. He's totally, completely Self-sufficient, self-sustaining. And yet he delights in love. In Chesed, we've been finishing Micah Saturday mornings. We finished Micah yesterday morning. We saw it ends with God wants to love you because he delights in love. God, this is the only reason that God would He doesn't need anything from us. Eternally, he's self-sufficient, and yet God delights. What delights your heart? Right? What would really be a delightful thing for you to do tonight? What God delights in tonight is sharing love. Love. Now, you say that word, and all kinds of things come to your mind. So let's understand what this love is. What is love? Well, it's from that verb that you've probably heard of, agape. Right? It's the noun form of that verb, but the verb is agape. It's, it's an action word, and it's giving, as we've often said, giving toward another with no thought of return. But in this case, it's, it's someone who is loved. It's someone who is beloved of someone else. And so you today... If you put yourself in this blessings boat from God, are beloved of him. God, of course, loves all the world, but there's a special sense in Rome that there were people that God loved. Special objects of his love. It's true of us as well. In New York City, yes, God loves New York. But there is a special sense in which he has showered his saving favor on those who are knowing him as Savior. And so if you have this relationship with God through Jesus Christ, there is a special way in that you are beloved of God. And so he, in verse 6, you see, he, he, he doesn't say to everyone in Rome, 
Uh, He says, among you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all those in Rome who are loved by God, called to be saints. All right, so you have this subset of everybody in Rome, but there is a group that he's writing to in the church, probably churches. Usually he says the church, but this time he doesn't say church. I'm going to make a huge deal about that. It probably just means there's a lot of groups that are meeting in houses all over Rome. And he says, all of you believers who are right with God through Jesus Christ, you are beloved of God. This is a special thing, very special thing to all those in New York City at Grace Baptist Church who are loved by God. God loves you. Now, why is that important? Why is that important? I'm going to say this is our essential need. This is our essential need. It really helps us in life to understand that we are accepted in Christ. That Christ is beloved of the Father and that I am in Christ and I am accepted in the Beloved. That I am no longer trying to earn God's favor. That is the Pharisee. But those who have been accepted in Christ is no longer working for their salvation, but have received it by grace through faith. And so I am in Christ. And so I really have all that I need. The world is striving for approval, for acceptance, for attainment, for achievement, for something, the next level and they keep going and going and going like a carrot stretched out. But, but if we really come to grips with this, we have all we need. This is our essential need. That your creator has accepted you in Christ and you are loved by him. That is my essential need. Remember a bit by a fairly clean comedian on this. He lost his luggage they, all, they must travel so much because they all talk about flying and losing luggage. But, and uh, he, he received from the airline industry an essential kit. Have you heard that? This, this, little, this little bag that, that was called an essential kit. And uh, he looks down in there and he's like, boy, I've been looking for all the wrong things. I didn't know this is what is essential. This is, this is a big, a, a huge claim for that little bit of toothpaste. This is all that you need. This is essential? Quite a claim. But if we could just take that idea, and if you could write on a scrap of paper, Romans 1-7, beloved by God, put that in a bag and carry it with you, you would have all that you need. The next time you're being discontent because you don't have this, that, or the other, you pull that out and you say, hey, I am approved by God. It does not, it does not, nothing else in one sense matters. I can cease striving, as the text said this morning, and know God, I'm beloved by God, and that is all I need. This is a glorious gift of faith from God to you. And so you can face any kind of difficulty, any kind of trial, knowing that you have all you need in God. Annie Johnson Flint grew up pretty close to where I did, Vineland, New Jersey. Um, She came to know sorrow at a very young age as her mom passed away giving birth to her sister. And the father was uh, critically ill, so he could not take care of them, and they put them up for adoption, her and her sister. 
Biographer, the biographer said, though, she continued with optimistic faith as she came to know the Lord Jesus in her Baptist church there. Um, following high school, she began training as a teacher, but developed arthritis. And it became so debilitating the next year that she had to stop doing anything to where she could hardly walk. That lasted for years, where she was practically an invalid. At the same time, her adopted parents uh, both of them passed away within just a couple months. And so she's left there with her sister. Left to fend for herself with very little in the world. But she had God. She began making small bookmarks and passing them out, writing notes and poems. Publisher got a hold of these and started printing them. And she made her living by that. This optimism in spite of difficult life circumstances. She wrote this poem, God has not promised skies always blue, flowers strewn pathways all our lives through. God has not promised sun without rain, especially today. Got some leaks in here, careful. Uh, joy without sorrow, peace without pain. God has not promised we shall not know toil and temptation, trouble and woe. He has not told us we shall not bear many a burden, many a care. God has not promised smooth roads and wide, swift, easy travel, needing no guide. Never a mountain rocky and steep, never a river turbid and deep. But God has promised strength for the day, rest for the labor, light for the way, grace for the trials, help from above, unfailing kindness, undying love. And we have that love that is undying. We can face all the difficulties of life that come from in existence in a sin-cursed world because God still shows his essential Essential love. Not abstinence from all negative things, but strength and grace and peace, as we'll get to in a second. Secondly, not just loved, you are loved today by God. So when that person snubs you or dislikes you, that doesn't hurt you. I'm loved by God, my creator, and he made me this way. You're secondly, blessed with God's calling as saints to all those in Rome who are loved by God and what? What does he say? And called to be saints. You are called to be saints. Well, what is a saint? How do we enter that sainthood? And then thirdly, again, why is that important? What is a saint? Maybe some confusion about that one. Saint Nicholas, Saint Nick, Santa Claus, is that a saint? Well, the word means holy or sacred, set apart. And, and you read that with all the understanding of the Old Testament, you recognize this comes up so many times. The word consecration, the word devotion, the word holy, all of those are similar words in the Old Testament that talk about not something being sinless, but that something set aside as special, a holy thing. There are holy garments. There are many garments, but one is set apart as special. There's holy place. Many places 
One was set apart as special. Holy animals, a holy altar. Some things, there was this one verse, some things were consecrated as holy, holy, and that which it touched, it was talking about a fragrance, made what it touched holy. Right? And so this is just something special, set apart. But if you read those references to consecration and holiness, you recognize that God called his people holy. You shall be holy men to me. Therefore, you shall not eat flesh torn to pieces in the field. Exodus twenty-two thirty-one, And so they were called holy ones. And that's the idea here. That's the word. You are set apart as special. You are holy. Now, how do we enter that? Do we enter that through a life of devotion in a monastery? And finally, we've reached the bar to where someone canonizes us as saint whatever your name is? No. What does the text say? You are called. It's that same word that we've come across in verse 2 and verse 6 and now verse 7. There's this personal relationship. If I call you this week on the phone, we probably have a personal relationship and you've given me your phone number. This is God's calling. He has called them And this calling into this relationship with God doesn't end just with fire insurance. It enters this relationship of set apart as special. God calls you, he loves you, and he sets you apart as holy. It is not that something you earn. And I just, I really want to make this clear, right, especially because we have a lot of Roman Catholic influence in our community Um, That's the largest building in Forest Hills is a Roman Catholic church. But this just shows the very clear difference between what the Bible teaches and Romanism. Right? In Romanism, you work all your life doing all these good works, and eventually maybe the church, this big organization, will say this person was a saint, and therefore the works that they did can actually be applied to other people. But do you see where that, that thinking is that everyone needs to do it? And it's no longer Jesus, is it? But what does this say? To all those in Rome who are loved by God, you now are called saints. To all you at Grace Baptist Church, called by God, loved by him in the gospel of Jesus, you're a saint. We don't need to call each other brother and sister. We call each other saint. Then you don't have to just remember the name. You don't have to remember the male or female. Saint Tim. Put that on your resume. I am a saint But this is what we should get from this. This is why this is important. So let's look at the significance here. You are set apart as special in God's eyes. Right? Nobody picked me for the team. So what? God saw you as special. Not because of any works of your own, but because he wanted to establish a relationship with you. And if we understand it correctly, that calling was from eternity past because God lives outside of time. He has no time meter in his existence. And so God calls you, and you are special. He is writing this to a group that is in a city. And this, in this city, there was a Jewish community that was kicked out. But the, the Christian community was snubbed as well. And so a lot of these people had been, had been ostracized for being Jewish. But then they came to Christ and they were ostracized from their Jewish friends and family. 
And they were definitely ostracized from the Gentile and Roman and Greek community. And so here they are just all by themselves. And they feel like, I don't belong. I'm just pushed to the margins of society. You ever feel that way? Like your views, your existence is mistreated, marginalized, hated. They were hated and persecuted. They were killed a martyr's death. But you know what? They were special in God's eyes. They were his prized possession. They were God's holy citizens. They were God's precious treasure. All of those are used to refer to God's holy ones. And culture is usually not a friend of grace. It's not a friend of God's people. And and when we come to that in history at times, we have to recognize it's the anomaly. And when it doesn't happen to you at work, just recognize, yeah, that's normal. But we have to, to believe by faith that God is real and he loves me and he accepts me in the beloved and he has called me out as special. And so you are set apart as special today by God. But also we find in this a, a, a calling toward our living. We are to live out what he has called us to be. It's not that we look down on others because they are different. They have a different value system. They have a different mindset, different goals and aspirations. We recognize that that's all of grace, that Jesus is changing me to look more like him, and he never looked down on the sinner. He welcomed the sinner to his father. And we need to mirror that as well. And so this is not a pharisaical, holier than thou. It's a Christ-like change into the image of Christ, where I love everyone, and I want them to embrace Jesus as well. But that does change the way I live. That does change what I value on Sunday afternoon. That does change everything about my heart's affections. What makes me sad or happy, right? All of these things are affected by being chosen by God, beloved by God, set apart and consecrated to God. And so we will look pretty different. And when someone says, what did you do yesterday? It's going to sound pretty odd, but it's light. It's light. And so as Christians, we don't push that light under a bushel. But we boldly say, oh, I love meeting with the saints at church. Would you like to come with me? This past week we had a meal. It was awesome. I think it's going to be awesome. I smelled some good smells down there. Well, not only this, look at the third blessing here. This is so, so helpful for us. You are chosen by God. You are beloved by God. And then thirdly, you are blessed with God's grace and peace. To all those in Rome who are loved by God, to all those in New York City who are loved by God, called to be saints, this is what you have today. You have grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We have grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at the gift there. The gift is grace and peace. But I would like to take a moment with this and just say, first of all, that grace and peace is what you need today. It is what you need today. And if you have your Bible, I'm going to take a moment with this. But would you turn to a couple verses with me? Okay, this is, I think, important to see. And, and it, it, would, it would help if you turn to the passages. Okay, so Romans 1.7, grace and peace to you. 
that's helpful. Now look at 1 Corinthians, right? So we're going to turn over to the next letter of Paul. And we find 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. Guess what he says? Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Those in Corinth needed that too. What about a little later when he writes a letter to them? 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, they needed grace and peace. What about the saints in Galatia, in Asia? Let's turn to the next letter. 2 Corinthians, Galatians. Galatians chapter 1. And let's look at verse 3. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. What about those in Ephesus? Look at the next letter, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 2. No doubt they need something else, don't they? Wait a second, no. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 1, verse 2. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 1, verse 2. Grace to you and peace from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1, grace to you and peace. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 2, grace to you and peace. Titus, grace to you and peace. 1 Timothy, grace to you and peace from God our Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. 2 Timothy, grace to you and peace. Philemon, grace to you and peace. What about Peter? 2 Peter 1, verse 2, grace to you and peace. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in Jesus Christ. What about John? 2 John chapter 1, verse 3. Grace, mercy, and peace be with us. That's a little much, I understand. But I wonder why the Holy Spirit said that so many times. Right, and he's sanctifying this normal reading where they would normally just say, uh, right, blessings, right, uh, greetings, Greetings, and it's a similar Greek word, grace is. But he's, he's saying, listen, you don't just need greetings, you need grace and peace. If you're in Ephesus, you need grace and peace. If you're in Rome, you need grace and peace. If you're in Queens today, you need, you need grace and peace. We need to grasp these words and not let them just be religious fill, fillers. That's not what it is. Right? I usually end each email this way, grace should probably include peace. You need grace today. This word grace, what is that? It occurs 21 times in the book of Romans. This is the second one. It, at its root, the idea is gift. In fact, if you're taking notes, you can find in 1 Corinthians 16.3, Paul talks about carrying a gift to Jerusalem. And it's the same word, same base word, this gift. And so that's the idea. You need this gift, this gifting. In fact, we think it's spiritual gifts, same root word. It's something that's given. So grace is all that God gives to us. It's the giving of God. It's God's goodwill. Because as usually as you give a gift to someone, right, if you brought a gift to Kate and Jamal, we love you even if they didn't bring a gift. Right? But, but if you brought a gift, it, it shows something like you, you appreciate them. 
Um, and, and so when you give a gift to someone, there's goodwill there, usually. Now, sometimes you're, someone's giving to get back. But, but usually is there's the sense of goodwill. And so, so there's favor extended. It's not that you earned it, but this person loves you, and so they're going to give toward you. And this is the, the beautiful truth here. It's not just that God loves you. He's going to give toward you. It's God's pleasure. It's God's gifting. It's God's benevolence. We often think about it in salvation, and that's true. We don't earn salvation. Salvation is God's righteousness at Christ's expense, right? G-R-A-C-E, grace. But it goes beyond that, right? It's God's grace strengthening us to serve. You need strength today to serve in a church that's on the smaller side. And so there might be only one eyeball at grace. And that eyeball may need to do a few things that you think, boy, an ear would do, do this better. So you need grace and strength to serve. God's grace is living a life that is like Christ. God's grace is the offer of heaven. God's grace is everything that God gives to you. And so before we turn to peace, let me just ask you, do you think you need God's grace today? If, if you don't feel a sense of the need for God and his grace, then, then there's spiritual pride there, and God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. And so we need to repent of that and say, God, I can do nothing on my own. I'm entirely dependent upon you. That is the life that God blesses with grace. Infinite, eternal grace in every area of life. Grace is giving us strength when we feel like falling on our face and giving up. It's taking that person who's fallen on their face and giving them wings to fly like eagles, to soar, as the scripture says. This is one of my favorite songs that Ron Hamilton wrote. Um, This is Patch the Pirate. Maybe you know Patch the Pirate. I grew up with Patch the Pirate, but... um, he, uh, he's a great ministry the last 50 years. He passed away and his funeral was yesterday. Uh, but he wrote many hymns and songs. I think 90, 38 different little stories for children. So it's often for children that Patch the Pirate is known for. But what a great, great story of a life lived to the glory of God. Going through difficulties, right? One of his sons I went to school with, we... Um, knew each other at same society and uh, ran into horrible health issues. He himself lost his eye for cancer. Um, but in those difficulties, he finds grace in the Lord to rise up from being on his face. I love these words. Let me read for read a, one, one stanza for you. When the race still lies before me, the wind is blowing strong. The witnesses surround me, and my strength is almost gone. You feel that way today? When the valley plunges deeper, my life shatters all my dreams. Then I lift my voice to Jesus, and he gives my spirit wings. God gives wings. God gives wings as eagles. God gives wings to fly and strength to rise above. When my feet begin to stumble, my dreams begin to crumble, I mount up on eagle's wings. 
If you're on your face today, let me just encourage you to receive God's grace today, okay? And, and trust by faith that he will renew your strength and you can mount up with wings as eagles. God gives grace. But as you use God's grace and move forward, often you're faced with opposition. You're faced with difficulties even in God's grace. And you think, boy, how in the world am I going to do this? And, and so you need a rest in your soul. And that's the next, the next idea here. God gives grace and God gives peace. God, grace to you and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Peace. What a beautiful word that God gives to you. Uh, claim that as your own. This is the first of ten times this comes up in this letter. And as we'll see, sometimes it's the factions even within a church. But the word literally has reference to not taking up arms, to fight with others. Right? And so you are at a time of peace. And Christians are to be peacemakers. But in this setting, the idea is internal peace. There are times when your heart wants to take up warfare everywhere you go. I'm at war inside my soul. Turmoil. God wants there to be peace in your soul. Rest. No battle in your mind. This comes from a strong sense that God is the one who battles for me. That God is the one who is in control. And then when you know that, you have soul-settling peace in the midst of the storm. God is the one who's in your corner to fight your battles. And so you leave it to the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Move boldly forward by his grace. John Payton really epitomized this as a missionary in the New Hebrides where he almost daily faced murder. And at one point, he and his friend Abraham were surrounded by those that were urging each other to strike him with a blow to death. And as he's looking at these murderous eyes, he cries out to the Lord and he says, My heart rose up to the Lord Jesus And I saw him watching the scene. My peace came back to me like a wave from God. I realized that I was immortal till my master's work with me was done. Isn't that true? When we look at the murderers around us, and you may not be surrounded by murderers, but all the pressures around us, it's hard to look past that to Jesus. But that's what Paul is encouraging us to do, and that's what the Spirit wants you to do today. Look past those things to Jesus. And when you do that, you can be at peace. This is amazing peace. As the Bible says, it's the peace that passes all understanding, and that those who do not know the Lord cannot understand it. But it is true shalom that goes deep into your heart. Your circumstances may be a storm with waves that break fast and loud on the shore, but inside your heart is is a placid lake with not even a ripple of current because Jesus has stilled the storm of your soul. It's the fruit of the Spirit, and it's something that you need today. Do you need peace? Yes, you do. You need peace tomorrow. You need peace today. You need peace at home. You need peace at school. You need peace at your job. You need to be a person who is at rest and not at war.
So let me encourage you to receive God's peace. No matter what and how disturbing the situation, you can rest in the Lord. Tommy was a sweet pastor in the Netherlands who risked his life to save Jewish teens in his attic during Nazi rule there in Denmark. He was captured because of this and imprisoned and waiting death. At his death, this pastor, every Sunday, would still write sermons. You write them on toilet paper and send them around the prison. Isn't that awesome? A little boy got saved from that and heard about his pending death. And he was, he was panicked as a young man. Dami shared in his heart the peace that he had and put him at rest as well. This is what we're able to do. It's, it passes understanding. How can you be at peace in this type of situation in the world, in your life? Because you find peace not from your circumstances being at rest, but because Christ is in your heart. And he is the giver of peace. We'll end with this. Grace to you and peace from who? Uh, From God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is where we gain this. From God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord we've seen again as Son. but, But Father and Son together here. The the Son is his full title, Lord, the one who's in control of all things. Jesus, the human name that he was given to say that he's come to save us from our sins. Messiah, the anointed one from God, as promised ages past. But it's not just Jesus, it's who? God, what? Our Father. You see, Jesus is not just God the Son. He welcomes you because you're in Christ to to that table. And now you can say, God is my father. That is why we can have peace. It's not a trick. It's not mind over matter. It's knowing the truth that God loves me, has called me, has set apart as special. And now he's my father. He's my dad. I have a dad that's stronger than any current in the storm. And he will hold me fast. God's grace and peace is multiplied to them. And so what is the significance here? The significance is that God's grace and peace is for you. And so I would just like to end here with this application. It will be done. I would just encourage you to start praying this. Because we zoom out here and what is this? This is a prayer. It's a prayer for what everyone around you needs. And so I've applied this mainly to our soul that the Spirit would encourage you to understand your blessings in Jesus. But would you this week pray, Lord, give Pastor Andrew grace today? Would you pray that way? Would you pray, Lord, give Danny peace today? And just think through people at church and pray specifically that God would give them grace in the light of what this word says, in light of understanding now those words of grace and peace as what they need and that they are loved by God and they're called to be saints and just start praying for one another this way. I need it. I need your prayers for grace and peace. You have my prayers for grace and peace. I pray for you. But this is what we all need to be encouraging before the Lord Bringing up each person, Lord, give Paul grace and peace. I give Kate and Jamal grace and peace. 
Give my brothers and sisters, saints, grace and peace. With heads bowed and eyes closed. Let's take a moment to close in prayer. Thank the Lord for the grace and peace you have. Thank the Lord for these three blessings. What a great thing that would be if in closing you would just take a moment. Okay, we're going to try to finish up and move right on. But if, if you could just take this moment to worship the Lord for these three blessings, God would be honored in our church today. And then if you would take this as an application this week to start praying for everyone in our church or those that you connect with a lot, that they would have grace and peace. Let's do this. If you'd like to pray with someone, I'd be happy to pray with you in the back lobby.